Comments made on the Serotalk Podcast Network are those of the individuals and do not represent Serotech Corporation, its staff, management, board of directors, or third-party resellers. Hi, everyone. It's Joe Steinkamp, and you're about to hear high contrast. However, it was recorded prior to some events that kind of transpired after the recording. Namely, the app you're going to hear mentioned, SoloDX, is sadly no more. I have interviewed those guys, and we actually have a link to that interview in uh, the Serotalk that I did. But unfortunately, the uptake on the app was not very high, and uh, the app was shuttered just shortly after we recorded, I'd say about by a week. So you're going to hear about this app, and it's going to sound really cool, but sadly, it is no more. And uh, possibly by the time you hear this, I'm not sure about the fate of Growing Up Fisher either. There's certainly been a lot more controversy about that, and you can hear it also on Serial Talk 194. So definitely keep your ear here, but uh, before you write in to tell us we missed something or got something wrong, well, that's kind of the beauty of pre-recording some of these things. Uh, Things can change from the point that they were recorded. But there's a lot more resources here and a really good banter about all sorts of things that you've come to know from Rodney Byron, Maury, and a little bit for myself, and an app review. Hey, can't get around that, right? So stay with us for High Contrast, and uh, we'll see what we can do about next month's episode being a little bit more timely. It's time for High Contrast, the show where we talk about everything low vision for those folks who are trapped between sight lines, I guess you would say. As usual, I am Rodney Edgar of TechAccessWeekly.com, and I am joined by, seems like the same round table once again. To my virtual left will be Mari Hill of AI Squared's Zoomed In blog. How are you doing, Mari? I'm doing well, Rodney. How are you doing? Doing Okay. And Byron Lee is here also. Uh, if you didn't hear the last episode, Jeremy Curry has stepped away on permanent hiatus due to work commitments, I guess we will say, for the time being. But he may come back in a special guest role. So now we have to deal with Byron Lee on a regular basis from ByronLee.com and his new venture, LowVisionRants.com. It's a Byron rant. <laughs> How's it going, Byron? I'm going to take over the world. Excellent. (laughs) Narf. (laughs) And over in the technical director seat for this episode, it will be Joe Steinkamp at Ranger Station, who is Mr. Everything, Serotech, Serotalk, SPN, and the such. So, this time, we're going to talk about TV. Well, hopefully we can keep Doctor Who out of it and everything, but... Uh, It seems like NBC is trying to corner the market on visually impaired sitcoms or disability sitcoms. They have the Michael J. Fox show dealing with his Parkinson's issue, I believe it is. And we also now have Growing Up Fisher, which has a boy growing up with a father that is totally blind. What do people think about this? Have you seen the show? Checked it out? Have we heard anything about reviews? I did actually check it out before recording this. Yes, I watched the uh, pilot show, and I thought it was pretty good. It always takes a while to warm up to the characters and get into the family dynamics and stuff, and I think it's really hard to do a pilot. You have to kind of cram in everything and show a vision of what you want to do, yet kind of give a background, and I think they did a pretty good job of it. The father is 
blind, but sounds like he doesn't admit it to himself and even others. For many years, he became blind when he was 12. It doesn't say how, or I'm not entirely sure if he's totally blind, but I think so. And he has an 11-year-old boy who acts as sort of his guide dog, so to speak. And then he actually gets a guide dog, and the boy kind of feels outed a bit. And I thought that was interesting. I would have liked to see a whole show on just that. So I think it's a good start, and I'll be continuing to watch it to see how it progresses. What did you think, Byron? Well, you know, a couple of interesting things. First of all, the harness that the guide dog wears, from what my friend Sarah told me, is actually from GDF. That's the Guide Dog Foundation. But the dog itself is not a guide dog. It it is just a trained dog that is wearing a GDF harness, from what I have been told. The other thing that I thought was kind of interesting is that they seem to have stick every single blindness trope or stereotype into this one first pilot. They've, they've got the blind guy driving a bike. They've got the blind guy chopping down a tree. They've got the blind guy, you know, doing all of these amazing things. And, um, not to say that blind people don't do these things, but it doesn't usually happen in the span of one day. You know, we're riding bikes and chopping down trees and doing all this crazy stuff. Um, I, I just kind of thought that they crammed too many stereotypes or tropes into one episode. Now I'm kind of wondering what the next few episodes are going to be like well in its defense the the episode kind of gives you the idea of okay the kid when it starts out he's talking about well i grew up in sort of a normal family his parents in this particular episode spoiler alert they actually get uh, separated during the first part of the show but he's sort of talking about well my dad was blind and he didn't really let it bother him and he tried to do everything that normal people did so We talked about getting a pool, so for some reason he went outside and decided he was going to get the chainsaw, very tiny chainsaw, and cut down a tree. And, oh, miraculously, he didn't knock over the house or anything like that. You know, it was just kind of, okay, let's uh, put safety glasses on him, so let's get the joke in real quick about, why is he wearing safety glasses? I'm not really sure. To avoid dust, maybe? Uh, You know, just kind of goofy as far as that kind of stuff, but. The guy that's playing the father, I don't know whether he's blind or not, but he kind of has some of the mannerisms of someone walking. He doesn't really walk normal. He sort of waddles a little bit, you know, sort of the typical zombie walk, I guess you would say. (laughs) That's what I compare it to when, when watching my wife wander around trying to find where things are, going different places without a cane, because he doesn't seem to use a cane. In his business situation, he doesn't let people know that he has a visual impairment. His son goes with him to a lunch meeting and points out, okay, Bill is on the left, and the other guy is sitting there, and his fly is open. So he goes up and walks up to him, shakes hands, and comments that the guy's fly is open. You know, so it's kind of, I don't know, it's a little far-fetched as far as all the things that he's able to do. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? You're right that, to be fair, all of the things that happened, all the blind sensationalism things that happened were actually, a lot of them were in in flashbacks, kind of talking about what kind of man his father was. So it didn't all happen the span of one day. But I find that 
The sensationalism of blindness is a bad thing for us because, as someone pointed out on Twitter, uh, a friend of mine, Mechtastic, on Twitter says, so it begins. A neighbor says, so is your life like growing up Fisher? And it's, it's the last thing that uh, low vision or blind people need is to have a lot of sighted people seeing a TV show like this and thinking that this is how we all live our lives. Did you guys read that it's based on an actual person, an alumnus from the Carroll Center, and that the boy who was actually 11 years old in the show right now is now an adult and is the producer of the show. Yeah, DJ Nash. It's all based on his childhood. And so, you know, I, I watched a lot of interviews on YouTube and uh, Rodney, you were asking whether or not the actor who is playing this blind man is actually blind himself. He's not. They talked a lot about the cues, how hard it must be for him to act blind and not get distracted visually by things and to let his eyes do what, you know, he has been told, you know, his eyes should do and all that stuff. Uh, and just try and stay in character and not let his eyes look at things. So he's not blind. But interviews that I watched on YouTube also mentioned that the story is loosely based on DJ Nash's childhood and some of the things that happened with him and his father. Yeah, I had heard that it was based on a true story, but I'm kind of like Mari. It's it's kind of the thing of, yeah, is your life like that? Are you going to worry about people coming up to you and asking that? But then at the same time, it also gets away from the crazy stigma of, ooh, that person's blind. I'm not sure how to deal with that person. Do I need a clouder? You know, different things like that. In this particular episode, they tackled the idea of, okay, the father needs a guide dog, but places aren't allowing him to take it into the building or hotel or something like that. So he has to argue the law, you know, with him because the father is actually a lawyer. So that's kind of amusing that he knows the statutes and knows the particular law and everything. Unfortunately, I didn't get to watch it with my wife to find out. Okay, what is your thoughts on this? Because she is totally blind and a lawyer, too. So she might have some differing views on it. I'm not sure. I actually watched it with a guide dog user, my friend Sarah, the same one that told me that little tidbit about the harness that's on the dog. She and I watched it. She's partially sighted as well, but she has a guide dog. So anyone who ever tells you that you have too much vision to get a guide dog, don't listen to them. If you feel that it's something that you need or that you would like to do, then go for it. But she was making all kinds of interesting comments about situations with the guide dog. For example, the dog was eating a giant pork chop and the dad's like, you know, hey, are those uh, you know pork chops good over there, Elvis? And people are feeding the dog and the dog is jumping up on the hotel bed, which, you know, the way I look at it is, look, if it's your guide dog, you're going to work with the dog the way that you're going to work with your dog. And not everybody always obeys all of the training that they've been taught from the schools, but Sarah's very strict with her dog. And she was screaming at the TV the entire time. The dog kept barking at various times during the show. And typically, guide dogs don't just burst out barking for no reason. So she's like, no, barking dog. Oh my God. <laughs> she's just cringing every time the guide dog was kind of focused on because it would do things that guide dogs really shouldn't be doing or that her dog, at least she wouldn't let her guide dog get away with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. It's too bad if there's a lot of things like that, that don't, you know, they really should pay attention to those kind of details. And 
I know it takes a while for a program to mature and for you to really get into a series. So I'm going to kind of wait and see and give it a chance. Yeah, and they were saying that this is based on his life growing up with his father. And so I was thinking, okay, so this is like flashback to the 80s or something, and they're trying to sort of pull off a mimic of, say, the Goldbergs or something, which is greatly annoying on ABC because of how they mix all of the years of the decade together, but that's another story. But instead, this is actually taking place in current day. So that kind of threw me off at the beginning, and then they started talking about Instagram, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is current time, because I couldn't up to that point really tell what year am I in. Right, I was thinking the same thing. That, and I was trying to figure out what kind of phone is the guy using, because he touched like one button or something, and it dialed the guy who trained him with the guide dog type of thing. And I don't know whether it was supposed to be an iPhone or a BlackBerry or what. I couldn't figure that out. I thought it was a house phone, but I could have been wrong. Well, he took it and stuck it in his pocket. It was like a big candy bar type phone and stuck it in his phone. Yeah, that's true. So I was trying to figure that out because I get annoyed when I watch technology things and it's like the bad coding in shows or something. And you're like, Oh, that's just a snippet of code from WordPress. There's actually a guy that has a blog out there uh, dedicated to uh, where did that code come from in movies? I can't remember what the name of it was. But hopefully it'll increase in popularity. Maybe it'll get better. It's kind of hard when you throw out your first show because you're trying to introduce all of the different characters and sort of give an overall view of what's going on. So eh, I'm giving it the optimistic Viewpoint. I also have watched uh, Covert Affairs on USA Network, and they have Augie Anderson, who is totally blind. And he uses a screen reader and wears headphones at his computer, and he uses a Braille display and walks around with a cane. But when it first started, he was using like a cane that I guess was supposed to be like a laser pointer. And he used that for like the first four or five episodes, and I guess... At some point, someone said uh, he really should be using a cane. So after that point, he just ended up using a foldable cane. And I know the actor uh, had said that he had went to some school in Canada to learn all the mannerisms of someone that's blind and being able to do different things. So that's another one that has that uh, sort of aspect. But it seems like they've tried to make it a little bit more realistic at this point. My question is, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of movies and TV shows with blind people in them. Why don't they have blind actors playing these blind people more often? And my friend Sarah, she said, well, you know, the number of blind people, you know, compared to the rest of the people out there, the number of blind people is small, but the number of blind actors is even smaller. So I guess I can understand that. But it's like, man, why does somebody have to go to school to learn how to look like they're blind when they could just get a blind guy in there to do it? I know. Well, I do know that uh, the deceased actor, John Ritter, has had the same eye condition that I have, uh, which is coloboma, but I haven't been able to find anything that tells what flavor of the condition he had, because there's different variations as to your sight acuity and things like that. So he's one that I know that was actually visually impaired in some fashion. Manny Patinkin of um, Criminal Minds and now of Homeland. He's uh, visually impaired as well. 
Yes, and did you know that Judy Dench, the older actress who was in the movie Philomena recently, has AMD, age-related macular degeneration, and evidently she needs someone to help her, obviously, read the script and so she can memorize her lines. And on the set, I guess they had to worry a little bit about her tripping over things or just be wary of the fact that she was visually impaired. So don't put power cords in front of her to trip over and stuff like that. That brings me to the movie reading app, which I used to go see Philomena. And I was just so impressed. Joe, about a month or so ago, did an interview from someone from this company, Solo DX and Hollywood Access Services. They teamed up with this app called the Moving Reading App. And the one movie they have put on there, it's an iOS app for basically testing purposes, is the movie Philomena. And finally, it came to my town, and I went and saw it. And what this app does is give you audio description of the movie. So before you go to the movies, unless you have internet connection at the movie, you obviously download the movie reading app and then download the files for Philomena. So what you do when you get to the theater is you go and sit down and get your popcorn and wait till the movie starts and then open the movie reading app and start the Philomena and it will automatically sync. It will hear the speakers in the movie theater and automatically sync to it. So now you've got your audio description while you're watching the movie and you've brought your own device, whether it's iPhone, iPod touch, even an older one, I think you, it just requires iOS six or higher, maybe even iOS five, but I think iOS six or an iPad and you bring your own headphones and what you're hearing through the speakers of your headphones is just the audio description and you're hearing the actual movie over the top of that through the theater speakers. And I brought several different headphones, some that really covered up my ears. And with movie theater speakers, they're so loud that you can easily hear, hear it over the headphones that you're wearing. And it was a great experience. I had never tried out video description at all because I do have a lot of vision. So when I go to the movies, I sit close and I usually don't have too much trouble, but I don't recognize faces. Sometimes I can't keep track of characters, don't see their expressions. If there's any text that comes up on the screen, I can't read it. And with this app, with the auto description, it speaks all the text that comes up on the screen, whether it's subtitles or the closing credits, it speaks it all. And it speaks what's going on in the movie as needed, but it never covers up conversation that's happening on the screen. It just 
speaks when it needs to. It might describe someone's facial expression or some action that's going on. And I tell you, it was the best movie experience I've had in years. I really enjoyed it. I knew what people were laughing about when they laughed. And it's just how easy this was just blew me away because I know they have other devices, which I really haven't used because I live in a very small town with a small theater. They can't afford the equipment that they have today for audio description. So I just think it's fantastic that you can go in any movie theater, any movie, and use this, at least hopefully in the future. And maybe, Joe, you can talk about why it's only one movie so far. Sure. Uh, did an interview, like you said, with Solo DX, who are kind of the people who helped develop this app. It was actually a program that uh, is very similar to Shazam that recognizes music. And what it does is do the same thing for movies. And it was originally intended for foreign language movies. People who were in Germany were going to Italy and watching films in Italian, wishing that they could have instant German translations. So the app was created in Germany, and when they would watch these Italian films, the phone or the iPad or what have you picks up on the noises from the film, syncs it within, I think, 10 to 15 seconds, and you get the language of German at the same time that line would be spoken in Italian. And the gang, I'm trying to remember the name now, but, Holly, uh, but Solo DX is the way I'll go, but it's Hollywood something or other. I, I'll have to go back to Hollywood Access notes. Services. There we go. Thank you. They actually realized that this app could be multi-purpose to do DVS. Now, what it can do that I think is interesting is you can actually decide to get Philomena ahead of time and download it onto the device. So you're not having to do an internet connection or look for a Wi-Fi connection in the theater. You actually can have that on the device and it will recognize and still sync on the iDevice. And the way that this kind of sort of works is hand in hand with the actual film company. And they have rights to be able to use this while the film is in first run theater. At the time of the interview, there was no decision yet on whether it was going to be available for home video, but they certainly had the ability to do that with a home video track. So a DVD cable, as long as it was a regular version of something like in Netflix, because if you have commercials, well, then you're going to kind of sort of have problems where the DBS track can't sync up or if there's a extra edit on a television thing, like let's say TNT cuts something out. The idea is that hopefully more and more pictures will allow them to do this because I have used DBS equipment at a Regal cinema and when you go to do Regal Cinemas and in some other places to use the DVS equipment that's there, the first thing they wanted was my driver's license. And I was like, well, we're in trouble now because <laughs> that's what you need in order for me to be able to borrow this. Uh, but I pulled out my Texas ID card and you had to fill out paperwork. Well, who wants to go to the movies and fill out paperwork? You want to go see a movie. So once when you go through all of that rigmarole, they hand you a device and the headphones might have a short in them. Or not only that, there's certainly a possibility that they're not being sterilized, like the 3D glasses that everybody uses. And so you might find yourself reaching into your pocket and pulling out your own headphones and sticking it in the device. And you also have to hope that it's been charged because it's possible that nobody's used them in so long, none of those devices are charged. And that is if you found somebody on staff and guest services 
that knows what the heck it is because uh, you could be there the day that the 16-year-old intern is behind the counter and you have to explain everything that's involved. You know, having the power to have that in an app on a device that you control, like you were saying, Maury, is a wonderful thing and will allow you to control when you want to see things. But the movie companies have not necessarily stepped up to that. Not all movies are audio described. And in certain countries like the UK, uh, there's a lot more audio description than there is in the United States. There are DVDs and Blu-rays that have some audio description. A lot of Disney titles, Tron Legacy, in fact, is probably the last one that I purchased that actually had the DBS track on the DVD. And like you said, Maury, it's helpful when it comes to, let's say, a movie like Troy or any sword and sorcery epic where everybody has a beard. Who's that guy? I don't know. It's a toga and a beard. Well, who's that guy? Stand next to him. Uh, A different guy, a a brown-haired guy with a toga and a beard. And having the idea to know Achilles steps into the tent. He looks around the room and sees someone. That helps a great deal to know, oh, that's Achilles because he didn't speak. So I didn't know who entered the tent. And, you know, one of the first things that generally goes for vision loss is facial expression or the ability to recognize faces without having to rely on body types. And if it's a close up of somebody, that's helpful. But if it's a medium shot where you see somebody's, you know, let's say torso and above, that can be very difficult for some people. And if it's a faraway shot, Uh, That can be really difficult if you didn't see what kind of clothes they were wearing at the beginning of the movie. And, you know, there are actors like uh, Manny Patinkin and now, unfortunately, Miss Judi Dench, who's uh, going through this. But being a good person, a champion for this, saw her on Sunday morning when she was promoting Philomena was very much in a positive way of experiencing this, but had to step out of film roles because of it, in the case of uh, Skyfall was her last film of the Bond franchise. And even in that one, you can see some mannerisms. She moves very slowly or she's looking straight, not looking back at characters in the same way she has before, because I guess she's not making eye contact in the way that she used to. I'm sure it probably messed with her process as an actor to be able to get cues from your other actor to you know, work against those. And it's not to say that she couldn't. It's just very new for her, and she's going through the adjustment process. Or possibly she can't make her eyes move in a certain direction anymore. Maybe that's part of the issue yeah. there. Some eye conditions, you would lose that or gain nystagmus, where with nystagmus, which is what I have, my eye may go just all crazy-like or just stay on the bottom right of my eye, you know, looking towards my nose. And that's just the where it decides it will be today in about seven hours or tomorrow. It might decide to look like out towards my left ear. Yeah, I'm I'm the DVS in the house, so I'm I'm the one that has to describe what's going on as far as watching NCIS or something like that. And my wife goes, uh, "I'm gonna take it you didn't quite get what that was, right?" <laughs> yeah, I didn't quite understand that, and I I could back up the Netflix, but it'll take longer to back up the Netflix than for us just to say, okay, go on about it. <laughs> with Breaking Bad, it was very visual, and with Breaking Bad, I ended up reading episode synopsises. So I would watch the episode, and if it was something that I sort of didn't get, I would go back and read the episode synopsis, and it would kind of describe what was happening visually on the screen because there's a good bit of of breaking bad and actually the new season of house of cards that's done in text or subtle head nod or pointing. And that's fascinating to be able to tell a story without having to have spoken dialogue 
it is frustrating and annoying for those of us who are relying on spoken dialogue to know just what the hell happened in that scene. Yeah, and and that's why my wife hated the uh, show 24 when it was on was because oh yeah you would have four quadrants on the screen and At every one quadrant time. would be doing something. You'd hear what's going yeah. on in one quadrant, but the rest of it, no. No way possible right. to know what's going on. What's the primary story? What's the secondary story? Or somebody's driving up while another person is scooting out the back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And at Christmas, we tried to watch... Um, Everybody swears by Love Actually as being the greatest Christmas movie to watch possible. Turned that on. They never, for the first 30 minutes, mention anyone by name. So it's like, which person is that? <laughs> Who's that guy? I'm not, really, exactly. I'm not really sure. He sounds like the other guy with the beard. Which one's the <laughs> one with the beard? I don't know. So about the 25-minute mark, Aaron goes, you know, it's trash night. I think I'm going to go gather the trash. You can decide what to do with this. <laughs> <laughs> Byron, did you go see Philomena? I actually did see Philomena and I used the movie reading app and it was really cool because um I got there late and so I was able to sync up the app with the movie even though I was late to the show. So that was kind of cool. And the other thing I was going to mention is that I saw Star Trek Into Darkness with a descriptive audio. That was the first descriptive audio movie that I've ever seen in a theater. I've seen lots of descriptive audio movies, you know, at home, but very few in the, th this is the first one in theater. And the frustrating thing was we were at the scene at the beginning of the movie where they're being chased by the native people on the planet and everything is coming out in just amplified audio with no description. So we're on channel one of the system. So I have to leave and listen to the bit of the movie I'm missing and walk out into the theater and tell the guy it needs to be on whatever the channel is for the descriptive audio. And they didn't know. So they take it back, and about five minutes later, they come out. I put on my headphones. I hear description, but no movie audio. I'm like, oh, this sucks. So I take it into the theater, and I can only hear the description. The headphones are blocking some of the movie out, so it's hard to hear the actual dialogue or the actual action. So the next time I go see a movie with descriptive audio, it's gravity. So I need to know, is there a mode where it mixes the dialogue and the description together? And they say, oh, actually there is. There's a third channel. So, you know, first channel is amplified audio. Second channel is VI or descriptive audio mode with no dialogue. Third mode or channel is amplified audio on your left ear and description on your right ear. And that was even worse because my brain does not like stereocentric audio. Every time I listen to a Beatles song with my headphones on, I feel like I'm going to get nauseous. So I've got the, the dialogue in one ear and the description in the other ear, and the whole time I'm just like, Ugh. So when I saw a movie with the movie reading app, it was that same problem where there was no dialogue, but I knew about the headphones blocking out the audio a little bit. So I took my Aftershocks headphones with me, and I was able to hear hey. the description and the movie at the same time. It was that so was cool. That was a good idea. I like like that. Yeah. And I saw Star Trek Into Darkness. I don't think description would have helped. <laughs> yeah, uh, the score in that movie is way better than the actual film, Michael Ciacchino. Um, I saw a live description. So in Austin at, uh, I believe it was the Gateway, there was a live description and I'm back to the movie Troy. And I went with uh, two blind women to go watch it. And I ended up taking my headphones out because when it got to the action scenes, I had enough vision that it distracted me. It was great if it was a dialogue scene. It was great if somebody entered into the room. But when it's super fast like that, it, it just, uh, you're not helping. And Buddy Brannon, 
here on staff at Serotech is a Doctor Who fan like I am. And at the beginning of one of the episodes of Series 7, there is a series where one character encounters all these different versions of the Doctor. And I watched that scene, then I watched it in DBS. And like good 50 to 70% of the stuff was not described because it just happened so fast. They had to choose what they wanted to describe. And that's when I started to realize, you know, there are some differences between, say, closed captioning and DBS. And I've worked in radio reading services before, and we did DBS at uh, Houston Sight Into Sound Radio. And it takes a lot to be able to do that. And in the uh, Solo DX interview on Serotalk, I talk a little bit about that because if you're just reading the script, if you're just reading script direction, you know, man enters room, says hello to friend. It's different than somebody interpreting that and saying, Sherlock enters the room. He looks around. He notices this, 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 and this. One of them might happen to be something he might want to look at later. He makes a note. You know, they took some context of what was being done. And uh, the Hollywood Access team has experience in doing this and creating DBS. So that's the difference between somebody just reading whatever's there, a, a, what's called a screen dump into a file for closed captioning, or in this case, it would be uh, doing that for audio description. And it's a certain talent to be able to figure out how much space you have between someone saying something and someone saying something else, because that's where the audio generally lands. And it's another thing to find the context that works. The very closest thing I can think of that sort of fits it is uh, translating Japanese into English in video games where you have a finite amount of space to be able to put into English something in Japanese which could take 10 words to describe one character. You only have that much space. And years ago, there was a bit of a quandary between uh, the advocacy groups for the blind and how much things needed to be described. So the networks, when they first came to the table, said, okay, look, we think we can do five hours of audio description. And, you know, the advocacy groups were like, no, everything must be described, including the news. And I went, how in the world would you describe the news? Where do they take a breath on the news where someone isn't talking to tell you <laughs> what's going on? And it, it was always confusing to me. So I think sometimes what we think we can do with this technology or how we can do this technology is not as easy as some might make it out, you know, to do a closed caption, you could literally, you know, like I said, grab the script and put it in and then time it to the dialogue. So the right things happen. But with audio, that means you have to come into a studio like this, uh, sit down, record it, then go back and edit it into the audio, fade up, fade down, and put it exact to where it needs to be. And that's a lot more people doing a lot more time to be able to do that. And it still becomes just, you know, commonplace for that to happen. Uh, we won't see it regularly. Certainly um, Canada is a little farther ahead of us on this. And absolutely the UK is. And I end up watching things like, let's say, Fringe. I enjoy Fringe. But that's a, a show with a lot of visuals or things written on the walls. And I would not have enjoyed it nearly as much without audio description. Now, are there concerns as far as movie theaters trying to limit using cell phones inside the theater? You know, as far as the light brightening up, uh, cell service being disabled within theaters? Well, you could use screen curtain because people like the Alamo Draft House will just get nuts about phones. And, you know, you could, uh, I mean, it would take a little bit of time, but I mean, you could hold that closer to you or put it down below 
to be able to get to some of that. But the app like Solo DX, you could actually download that movie before you went to the theater. So that would make life easier. But yeah, there are some uh, movie theaters outside the United States that jam cell phone signals. Well, I remember when I went to see Philomena and opened the movie reading app before, when I started the file, it told me to put your phone in airplane mode and turn down the brightness. So if so you forget before you go in, yeah. it tells you. And also what I wanted to say is um, I'm just such a believer in this app. I mean, it's just the simplest thing you can imagine that I emailed someone at Hollywood Access Services asking, you know, how can the blind community help in moving this forward? And she said, basically, we have to convince the movie distributors and such that this is an important thing to us. And so she gave me an ideas of some contacts to get a hold of. So in the show notes, we're including a blog post I wrote about my experience with a movie reading app. And in one of the comments I wrote in that blog post, I put some contacts that people can email to let people know that this is important to them. And I'll put the link to the Solo DUX interview that I did a couple of months ago on Serotalk, also in the show notes, yeah. all available at serotalk.com, S-E-R-O-T-A-L-K.com. You know, you were talking about how audio description is done, and uh, my friend Chris Snyder, who is totally blind, works for a company called Audio Eyes, and uh, their website is audioeyes.com. And what's really cool is that he does the voiceover work for the descriptive audio. He gets a script with a timestamp of where in the movie it is and how much time he has to insert this track. So a sighted person watches the movie, they write the script with the timestamps and everything, and then he records the voiceover tracks either at home or in studio when he's in Los Angeles. And then he either edits it at home or they edit it there after they're done recording. So it's kind of neat because you would think, oh, well, blind people can't do audio description because they have to be able to see the movie. That's wrong. They can. If the uh, method is done correctly, this is actually a good career opportunity for people who are blind or visually impaired. Well, to steal a moment here before Rodney says something about end of line, our two gentlemen who edit all our podcasts at SPN, uh, Derek and Patrick. Patrick did an amazing job with the opening of End of Line 6, uh, which is Terminator 2, where Ricky read the lines of Sarah Connor, and Patrick took the DVS audio track and actually dropped her into the same spots that Linda Hamilton would talk. And it is one of our proudest moments on EOL because it literally sounds like the film. That's what we were intending to take the actual audio backdrop and insert Ricky into it. And, you know, that was done by a totally blind individual. Well, I guess we covered a lot of different topics there from Philomena to growing up Fisher and all sorts of different things and going to the movie theater and having a good experience. And hopefully the technology will continue to grow and movie studios will continue to make DVS available. So only time will tell with that. So I guess it's time to take a short little break and Joe will come back with a wonderful app review and then we'll come back for a little bit of a wrap up. You are listening to High Contrast here on SPN. 
Meet eBot from Hims. eBot is the first and only iPad-compatible, portable, reading, writing, and distance-viewing video magnifier with optical character recognition. And get this, the connection to your iPad is totally wireless. Want more information? Visit us on the web at www.hims-inc.com. eBot, the new standard in video magnifiers. Let's say you're a trombone player in a concert, and you're having some trouble reading the sheet music. It's time for you to play your part. So, with your nose pressed firmly against the sheet music, you begin playing. Your trombone slide hits the music stand, knocking it right into the percussion section, stopping the concert, and everyone stares in your general direction. Sorry, guys. Pretty embarrassing. Yeah, you got that right. You don't have to work so hard to see that sheet music. The Limelighter music reading solution for low vision performers magnifies the music up to 10 times normal size. Press the included pedal to move to the next measure or line of music hands-free. You can even mark up your music scores as you would with a pencil. The practice feature lets you listen or play along as your PC performs the music. You can even compose music in an accessible environment and print it out for others to perform. Visit www.dancingdots.com and select the link for Limelighter to learn more. Hi, I'm Jamie Pauls. Oh, hey, Jamie, what can I do for you? Looking for a cross-platform solution to quickly convert printed materials and PDFs into text, MP3, or DAISY formats? Oh, yeah, actually I am. I mean, that's... wait, you're not going to try to sell me something, are you? Check out Serotech's DocuScan Plus. For just $299, use DocuScan Plus on your Windows or Mac computer. Store documents in the cloud for easy retrieval and access them from anywhere. For more information, visit www.docuscanplus.com. Joe Steinkamp here to talk about another app, and I'm going to stay with the trend that I started in February. Not a game this month, something that is actually helpful for catching up on news or reading or just. Well, I guess fun, because, you know, everybody likes reading, and you could read for fun rather than read for work, but I use it for work. There's an app out there called Umeno, U-M-N-A-O, and that app is got professional readers reading articles from the web. It's kind of neat in that you can uh, subscribe to certain channels, uh, like, let's say, The New York Post or the New York Times or Lifehacker and professional readers will read articles to you from that right within the app. Now, there are some caveats to this depending on which operating system you are approaching it with. On iOS, I found that the usability and accessibility on the app with voiceover is a lot better than in Android. And that does vary actually when they update either one can actually get ahead of the other. Uh, but consistency, I've seen that the iOS version is a little better at uh, making controls available or having them labeled correctly. You don't have to necessarily grab the iOS ability to label a button and make that work, although it does help at times. The interface that's involved is a kind of a grid view, and you can either search by your channels, which you set up ahead of time, or you can search the most recent things that have been posted to the app. Or you can search for certain genres of things. Maybe you're looking for just technology news, or maybe you just want kind of roundabout kind of weird news. You can do that. And the quality of the audio is very good with the readers. Um, they have several voices, so you're not getting stuck with the same guy reading all the articles, which is kind of nice. Uh, you can rate those narrators. In fact, they actually ask you if you want to follow them on Google Plus on the Android version. 
You can also tweet that out to other people or other forms of social media. So you can tell others that they want to listen to that article through Umino. And on Android, it is a little bit of a mess because it's uh, not labeled in the same way or it repeats characters and talk back. And I'm talking about using uh, Android 4.4 on a Nexus 7. So even on the latest Android, there are some things that kind of get a little wonky. Uh, buttons are not as labeled as I would like them to be. But from a low vision standpoint, it is usable. You can actually memorize things on the screen or you can get a good idea of where button placement is. So once when you've learned it once, you can go back to do it just kind of quickly and easily. Now, the thing that I, I think is a bit of a problem is there's no night mode on either one of these. So you're going to be dealing with uh, black text on white backgrounds in a lot of situations, or they will show you the picture that's accompanying the article, and that could cause some contrast issues. You may have to do some memorization of where the buttons show up with in name of like, okay, I want to find play and just play on that article or stop or pause. I do like that the play controls do tend to appear on the lock screen of my Nexus 7, which is very helpful because it's nice to be able to play and pause just from the lock screen, which is just really, if you just need to, oh, I just need to pause it and wake your device up and just tap on pause. That's pretty neat. It is a free app, but remember that you're going to run into ads and the freemium stuff. And that is something you should run into in a lot of programs, but it makes no surprise that it's here on UMANO. U-M-A-N-O. It is an app that is out for both iOS and Android, and it allows you to have people read you the articles that you might just not want to read with, you know, a screen reader or a screen magnifier and just kick your feet up. It's kind of like a flipboard of audio, if you will. For High Contrast, I'm Joe Steinkamp, and now back to Rodney. Welcome back to High Contrast here on SPN. And... We're going to dive into the mailbag. Uh, hopefully it doesn't bite, but doesn't quite yet because Sarah Souza sent us a message about traveling since we seem to always talk about traveling on this show because that is one of those things that is scary for everyone. And a couple of the things that she mentioned was the fact that using duct tape of all variations and colors could be used on your luggage in order to make it easier to find on a conveyor belt for your baggage pickup, as well as your door when being on, say, a cruise ship. That seemed to work for her. Caveat, you might want to ask about doing that before you do it, because most likely housekeeping will take that down. Does anyone else have any comments on the wonderful traveling ideas that Sarah gave us? You know, I like the idea of either putting something on your door or hanging some sort of decoration on your door so that you know which room is yours because all those doors look the same and the numbers are sometimes a bit difficult to read, especially with limited vision and if you don't know Braille. So I think that's an excellent idea. As far as the luggage and duct tape thing, that's really cool too. One of the things I do is tend to buy a bright colored bag and use that as a way to identify it when it's coming up the conveyor belt. Also, they make these keychains, one that you keep on your person and another that you have on the handle of your bag or inside your bag. 
And when you push the button, your bag will start beeping. So it's great for being able to pick up your bag again at uh, baggage claim. But I like the high contrast, um, pardon the pun, of the duct tape on the baggage so you can see it from the airplane window or as you mentioned, the ship window, you could see it being loaded onto the luggage area. Yeah, I like those ideas. I also like to buy bright colored bags for luggage. I bought a bright orange one and the first time I used it, put it on the luggage thing and going on to the plane I looked out and there it was I could see it from the plane window it was so cool <laughs> see my luck would be that every single person on the plane would like that color and that would be what would show up on the baggage claim and it would be a moot point <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, everybody here at the Tutti Frutti Convention, they like orange and lime green. Which one's yours? Uh, I don't know. Which one looks like it has the most stuff in it? I'll take that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah also mentioned uh, the idea of you could also ask, say, a cruise line if they could have someone meet you at the dock or meet you at the airport in order to help you get to and from your location. And some will actually do that. You just have to try and ask for that particular service. So all good ideas. And if you would like to get your voice heard here on high contrast, you can send us a note over at resources at serotalk.com. And let's wrap this puppy up here for this month. And as always, I am Rodney Edgar of TechAccessWeekly.com. You can find me on Twitter at Rodney Edgar, R-O-D-N-E-Y-E-D-G-A-R. And thank you to Mari Hill of AISquared.com slash blog for joining us. No problem, Rodney. See you. Rodney, bye, Byron. Stay warm. Thank you to Byron Lee of ByronLee.com, Byron27 on Twitter, and LowVisionRants.com. Well, thanks for having me on the show, and I'm glad to be kind of a more permanent cast member. It's like that character on a sci-fi show that was only supposed to be there for one season and winds up there for the entire series. (laughs) Yes, you haven't quite met the Cousin Oliver just yet. The show's not canceled. (laughs) And always thanks to Joe Steinkamp, our technical director, producer, and all around. Hey, Joe, can you talk about something for us here to sort of give us a little space? So he's kind of the fill-in guy. Uh, You can find him on Twitter at Ranger Station. And find everything Serotech at Serotech.com. Find out. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Serotalk Podcast Network by heading to serotech.com slash SPN for information. You can drop us an email at resources at serotalk.com. You can check out iBlink Radio for iOS and Android, as well as send us an iBlink report directly from the app. And finally, check out a free trial of Samnet over at sa2go.com. Thanks, as always, for listening to High Contrast here on SPN. Until next time, bye. Goodbye, 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 goodbye. Bye. Bye.